Welcome to the Nobody Told Me That podcast. My name is Teresa Duncan, and my goal is to share information that you probably weren't thinking about. I love preparing my friends for situations that may come completely out of the blue. I also want to share with you many of the tidbits I picked up over the years. If you absolutely have to tune out before the end of the show, make sure you check out the show notes for more details and information on today's topic. And thank you so much for making me a part of your day. back with another episode of Nobody Told Me That, and I'm here with Angela Davis Sullivan, who is a very good friend of mine for years and years and years. <laughs> I shouldn't say how many years, right? So That's right. Welcome we're so to the young. Podcast. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, let's see. We started when we were, I don't know, what's the joke nowadays? 12? 12, 12 yeah, I like 12. 12 yeah. is good. <laughs> I don't know. I got to look at my gray hairs before I got my hair dyed again. And it was, I didn't like finding out my natural hair color. It was terrible. So I, hear ya. <laughs> I was like, we need to change that. Let's fool mother nature again. All right. So Angela here is somebody who is perfect for leadership and team. She's one of the people that if I feel like when I was consulting, if I felt like I was kind of losing control of a situation or if I needed somebody to help with verbal skills, she was really, she was right there for me. I always had a good time talking with you, first of all. <laughs> good. Like we, we had to like get all that out of the way before we get down to business. It's just That's right. Friendships. That's right. <laughs> So, so here we are, you have, you have a book now, right? I do, I do. I do. And it's called Coming Home to a Better Practice. Is that the correct name of the book? That is the book. All right. Yeah. I just want to make sure I want to, let's say it, say my book's name is. My book's name is Coming Home to a Better Practice. <laughs> so for those of you who are like, why'd she ever repeat it? It's just a little thrill when you have your yes. first book, you like to say it. And then I don't know, maybe the second book will be like, yeah, I forget. It's, you know, second book. <laughs> <laughs> but congratulations on that because that's you. really that's a huge huge deal. Um, it's a lot of work, I know, and it'll it'll pay off for you. So th the reason why I wanted to have Angela on the call is because I I think that there are a lot of practice management consultants that are out there that don't necessarily are in the spotlight spotlight like you like to think about you know like on the big stages and all that kind of stuff. But they're so good at what they do and they deserve to have a light shown on them. And that's why I'm, I'm like, Angela, you need to come on the podcast. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and Angela is one of those people. So she's in Florida and the running joke between her and I is, you know, <laughs> how many gators have you seen today? And, and I remember one time I came down, what did you say to me? I, I have a real fear of gators. Yeah, way, guys. I yeah. So I came to, I think she said to me one time that I said, how do you swim in the lakes and stuff? And she was like, oh, you just got to you know, make sure that there's no gators there. You just make a fuss at the water. And then if nothing pops up, you're okay to go in. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> as long as you know where they are, you're okay. Stay away from that side. It's the one you don't see that you get concerned about. Oh my uh, gosh. I don't even know that mentality. I was like, okay, I'm just going to be up here on the porch. Like with my coffee. <laughs> So, so that's how, that's how bare, how brazen she is there. So you have been consulting for how many years now? Golly, time flies. Um, about 16 years now. 16 years. About okay. 16 years. And your life before consulting was? Oh, I got to, I got to work the ins and outs of a dental practice. The, I know, right? Da, 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 da. <laughs> it was, um, you know, I started in dentistry when I was like 16 years old. So like for real? 
yeah, for real, like a long time ago. Like I was really 16 in high school and it was before gloves, if you can imagine that. Oh, I don't want to imagine it. Was it crazy? Like, were you like, ew? You know what? It's all the only thing I knew at the time. And then once gloves got, gloves got introduced and then I would try to do something and, and think about just grabbing it real quick without my gloves. I was like, oh, that's disgusting. I'm not touching that. <laughs> but when that's all, you know, that's all, you know. So yeah, I started in dentistry when I was 16. I was, you know, the front desk doing the hygiene calls and pulling charts. And then I was an assistant for a long time. And I was a new patient coordinator. And then my final role before I left private practice was as an office manager. So out of all of those, I know office manager is always like the favorite, but was there one other position that you were like, yeah, I like new patient coordinator. I mean, I just, yeah, they are fun. And you really get to get relationship with these patients and talk to them and be their advocate. I mean, I really did love that. That was fun stuff. Well, let's just seize on that then. I had said to, to Angela that when we start talking, we'll just go this way and then we'll probably go another way, right? <laughs> Let's seize on that though, because the new patients, when you would onboard them years ago, is so different now. How has mm-hmm. that changed? Like, what are, you, what are you finding that your clients are having the best success with as far as new patients? And I guess now we have to talk about it with COVID. In I mind. know. Now you got to talk about it, you know, behind a mask and a shield and you're all covered up and you can't mm-hmm. see that, you know, you can't, they, that person can't see you as well. Right. I think one thing that has not changed though, that I'll go back to that people want to move away from sometimes is the relationship, you know, slow down, talk to the patient. Even if you've got the mask on, just own it and say, you can't see me smiling behind this mask, but I really am. And I'm excited to meet you you know, and just tapping into that relationship. And yeah, I know we don't like the the big gown and now I've got a mask on and I can't breathe and I'm hot and I'm, I might even have a head thing on and um, I'm sweating under here. But to the patient, that's still their first visit and, and their first interaction with you. So slow down, take it for what it is and connect with them. Um, and I know we can't shake hands and we can't high five, but, you know, do the air high five or something like, gosh, I'm so excited to meet you. Right. I'm glad you're right. here. Well, it's, and the first time you're really sometimes meeting a patient is when they're sitting in their car. And yes. Lot. <laughs> like that's not weird now, right? It's very strange. And you know what I'm hearing too from people is that patients are mad about that. Uh, patients don't like it. Yeah. They want to come inside. They want to get out of their car. And they're like, how can, why can't I just sit across from that person? And you're like, no, CDC is going to get us, you know, like, (laughs) I know they want to come in and see it and they want to, they want to sit there. It's, um, it's, uh, it's different. It is definitely different. So as far as the new patient call, do you see it being more a new patient email, new patient text, new patient? I don't know. How do you see that changing? You know, I think everybody's gone to the electronic versions of stuff, which is great. Let's not, let's be real. Um, It's a time saver. It's fantastic. But I still say when we have new patients on our schedule, send them the text, send them the email, do whatever you do. But I'm also encouraging whoever's going to see that new patient to reach out to them and still make that phone call and try to start building relationship right away. Hi, Angela. I know you probably already got our texts and stuff, but I wanted to introduce myself and I'm looking forward to meeting you. And here's how it's going to go when you get here. Here's what you know you can expect. And do you have any questions for me? And I can't wait to meet you. Still, that personal stuff, I just, I think it's more important now than it ever has been. 
What do you think about the offices that have had like the person's face on a button or <laughs> I saw one that's wearing the clear, the yes. mask, but with the clear so you can see their mouth. I love and, those. And yeah, I kind of think that that's, I mean, we have to kind of, especially at the front. I mean, at the back, you don't want to because it's like blood and all that stuff. Yeah. But, you know, but up at front, maybe. I love, I love the buttons. I think those are so much fun. I think what an opportunity, you know, you, your kids played baseball or soccer and you got that button that you could wear to the games. I mean, how about a button that says, hey, this is what I really look like. Check me out. Yeah, it's so fun. I think that would be fun. And then, of course, you prank people by switching. Yeah, buttons. switching buttons. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, that's a given. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that we were those employees at the office, yes, weren't we? <laughs> definitely. I remember I used to put a grasshopper. It was like a big grasshopper, like about four inches a fake grasshopper in the autoclave in the morning. Like they had run it right. And then in the morning it was open and it was cold. So I would close the door and they would go to unload it. And there would be this big grasshopper in there. And then the grasshopper migrated up front to, you know, the printer. Yeah. I mean, it's just, we just, you have to have fun. We do have to have fun. My God. Patients suck sometimes, right? Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, it's exhausting being at work all day and this is your work family. And Golly, if you can't have fun with them all day, that's going to be a long career. Oh, my goodness. Well, let's talk about the work family. So now the work family is changing, right? We've got people who are leaving dentistry, a lot of people leaving dentistry. But that means a lot of people coming into dentistry, or do you see that we're just shuffling people? You know, that's a good question. The last month or so, you're right, there's been a a mass exodus of people who have left the career, no doubt. And trying to find people for my clients has been really tough. There just hasn't been that pool of people out there. So, and as always, we're looking for those, like, they don't have to have dental. Do they have a great personality? Are they happy already? Like, you know, what's the stuff you can't train? And trying to find those people and get them interested in this field. I mean, there's so much potential in it still. It doesn't have to be, you know, mundane and boring. So finding the people that want to be there is number one. And I always say, you know, you can hire for personality. You can train so much stuff. Right. I can't change their attitude or their happiness based on, you know, just because this is a great place to work doesn't mean it's going to be a great place for them. So finding that right person. You know what? This is the age of the resting bitch face. Because <laughs> now that if you have a mask, it, it, here, there you are. So it, so if hygienist assistance, if you're listening and you're like, oh, I've got this face. I don't smile a lot. So what? Nobody smiles up front now. anymore. <laughs> you don't have to now. That's right. So, okay. So you're right though. We can train on almost most things and it's the attitude. It's the the quickness in learning too. I think when I was a younger manager, I was more like pulling people along. I was like, okay, she's learning, she's learning. But now I don't settle for somebody like that. Now I want somebody who's picking it up really quick. Absolutely. But I don't know if that's out there when they're new, right? It's been a bigger, much bigger challenge to, I think we have to learn patience and making sure that we're doing everything to make them successful. And sometimes people don't always learn the way that I want to teach. So I've got to be able to discover that and have conversations around it. And maybe I'm not the best person as the manager to actually be teaching that skill. Who's good at it? And having those conversations with potential employees too, like, how do you learn? Tell me about that. What new skill have you learned in your adulthood? How did you learn it? To kind of 
delve into how they learn too. You know, that's interesting because I don't know if a lot of people would actually know that. If you ask some, like my son yeah. and your daughter about the yes. same age, right? If you ask them, they would go, I don't know. What do you I mean? Just do it. Yeah. So, just do it. so I think the probing questions behind that, I guess, are, are you a, a reader? Are you a AV yeah. person? Yeah. Should I make a TikTok for you? Like, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> so. And it's interesting, but you do have to ask um, more probing questions. And then, of course, the working interview, I think, is always key. Like, put them to the task. And this is a no judgment zone initially. It's an evaluation. And then just knowing what am I looking for? Do they automatically start exploring stuff or asking questions? Are you having to drag it out of them? What would you do next? Or, oh my gosh. I know. When you were training somebody, I always knew when they would annoy me. When I said, they, when they were on like a screen and we would train them on dentures. Yes. We were on a screen and, and she would say, where's this? And I would see them just kind of moving the mouse around. Mm-hmm. And the ones who right clicked or went directly up to the menu, I was like, yes. yes. But the ones that are just kind of hovering and waiting for you to tell them where to go. I was like, all right, let's finish this out. And then let's just look at her, have her yeah, on her way. Like, Thank you for your time. <laughs> oh, yeah. gosh. Th- those were the days though, right? Absolutely. Your um, clients right now, are they all at full strength as far as staffing? Or have they had staffing challenges through this COVID? Most, mo- yeah, through COVID. My gosh. Yeah, some of them are um, back to full strength, but they've had some changes and we've readjusted quickly. Others were still trying to fill positions, still looking for people. Which ones? Which positions? Hygienist, front desk, assistants. <laughs> I mean, you name it. Sterilization. Yeah. Pick a spot and we're looking for somebody in one office or another. It's just, you know, we everybody was going to come back and then the date came and people changed their mind or, you know, they just opted out. And it's like, well, okay then. I think we saw about, I think about three or four days back, you started seeing people saying, forget it. Yes, And now we've been in it about a month, month and a half for some offices mm-hmm. and I'm starting to see it now where, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of sad. Anne Guillaume, do you know, Anne? She's a I hygienist. Her. Yeah. Okay. She's a, she's one of the, oh gosh, she's been around for a long time, but very, very well respected. And, and like, just like one of those people that can recite data points and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. She did a survey recently of people who went back to work and she was like asking what the physical and emotional, I guess, issues that they were having. And a lot of it was dehydration, yeah, heat, increased headaches, yeah. and mental fatigue. So not even like, you know, worried about the virus or anything like that. It's all having to do with PPE. And up at the front, I needed either a heater or an air conditioner right next to me. Like there was no in between for me. So I can't even imagine what it's like right now. So I think I would have to just have a chair made of ice to sit mm-hmm. on. <laughs> I know I would. Right? So, okay. So let's let's talk about the hygiene thing because I've been hearing this a lot. And tell me if you've been hearing it too. Hygienists are getting lured away by bonuses and higher pay. Like they're getting poached. Oh. Is that happening? Oh, yeah, definitely. So what do you think they're leaving for? Is it, the, is it benefits or is it higher pay? Higher pay but that attraction of benefits is so luring to them i think and that and the places that they're going though I, I had a mass exodus in one office in particular to walmart dental office really yes i was still blown i'm still shocked i'm like 
what? Another one went to Walmart in this air, in this area, and I'm like, what do they have it? What do they have over there? The hygienist. You're talking hygienist. Yeah, hygienist, and it was pay and a benefit. Well, I mean, we, their yeah. benefits are good. They are. Yeah. And I don't know how much they're paying. I know some hygienists up here in the D.C. area, they're holding their offices hostage. They're getting like 50, 60 an hour, which with a PPO plan is totally unsustainable. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. So what I, what do you think is going, what do you think is the going rate down there for Walmart? I think in this state, it was probably 45 or something, which was higher than what the private practice was paying. And she's in Florida for you guys. I know we yeah, were talking I'm in gators. Florida. Yeah. The gators can be anywhere, right? Yeah. Except for Virginia. That's why I moved here. <laughs> yeah. You don't have them there. You're safe there. But yeah. So yeah. So hygienists are getting lured away, which is really depressing. And I had I had a strategy call the other last week with a doctor who's actually deciding to not use hygienists anymore. He's going to just hire associates and have the associate do the cleaning and same day dentistry. So going, there's a, there's a DSO that has that model. I forget the name yeah. of it. And he's just, he's like, you know what? I can't afford them. I'm working my way out of PPO offices, but I'm not there yet. So he yeah. just literally can't afford them. Honestly, he's like, I think I'll be happier. And then I was like, maybe you need a different hygienist. Like maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's right? the problem. <laughs> I mean, I think I've got a, you know, I've got an, I've got a doctor in um, New York who's done that when has an associate just do the hygiene visit as well. And then same day dentistry. And, but I think hygienists can bring a lot of value. I mean, they're, they're that relationship piece of the practice. There are, I mean, that's a piece of the family member. I don't want to divorce that family member out of the practice. I want, right. I want, they, I think they bring so much value. They know more about patients than a lot of us do. They build that relationship long-term. They come back for them and update them. So I hate to see it go. And I think there's just ways as a, a practice owner is just to, you know, this was a perfect time to reset in reality. So while you were sitting home wondering what you were going to do, hey, what do, you, what do you want? What do you want that practice to look like? Let's talk about that. Let's draw that out. What's that look like? How many employees? Do you want out of the PPO now? I mean, go back and now you can create whatever you want. So your clients were coming to you with those types oh, of high levels? Yes. Long, long phone calls? Yes. I worked really hard during the shutdown because doctors and team members had time and we were able to work on some things that we haven't had time to work on that we worked on. And, I, you know, my really good high performing teams, we had Zoom meetings on a regular basis and we were working on stuff. And they That's were all great. at home in their different locations. But hey, we were we were working and planning. How many of them are looking to drop some plans? Um, one, two, three that are three in PPOs. Them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like all of them are just stepping out slowly. Yes. Just like now's the time. I have nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. It's almost like you go back to being a new dentist and you hire as needed again. Yeah, so. you start over. It's not, it's not, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. You know, I had one office that lost um, several team members and started reevaluating. It's like, you know, I kind of like this pace and this number of employees on my, on my team, you know, and I can rebuild it. I've built it once or I built it twice. You know, you've got dentists that were around in 2008 and nine as well, who switched their model and kind of rebuilt and did some changes and they came back. And so. It's like, hey, I've built it once. I can do it again. Do you get the feeling that before COVID, we were like the big, I guess it was in 
Vogue to just purchase new practices and open, open, open. Did you get that feeling with your clients? Yeah, most definitely. Like just, let's just gobble open. up some more. Yep. Yeah. And are those the ones that are thinking, why did I do that? Or are they looking to take advantage of the new economy and, and grow more? You know, it's, I've got both sides of that. God, why did I take all that on? I don't want to. And others are in a position where, hey, they can buy some dying practices, put a young associate in there who could not afford to buy that practice and give them that opportunity to buy in over time. You know, so they're, they're taking advantage of that opportunity to, to take it rather than having them sell out to a big corporate. They're, try, they're looking at it like that. Let me, let me put a young guy or girl in here who couldn't buy a practice, but it keeps them out of that kind of um, corporate dentistry as well. I was talking to a D4 student down at Nova Southeastern, Mm -hmm. and she was telling me that this has shown her that she needs to always have cash on hand. Yeah. And I thought, well, first of all, smart cookie, knowing that already in school. And so we were having a good conversation about that. And she said she's going to finance as much as she can, but keep cash on hand because she's seen, and I guess she's in Southern Florida. She's seen in that area. A lot of offices have gone under. Under, Yeah. So it really scared her. So maybe this new generation of dentists is going to be a little bit more fiscally aware. They might be a little smarter after seeing this. Do you have a lot of young dentists or are you more in the growth stage or are you more in the, the maintain and sell stage? I am lucky. I have a, a good mix my young, I only have a couple of them, but, um, you know, this is a big learning experience for them because it was like, okay, now, now what, I mean, do I take out the loan? Does it, do I continue to pay people or do I have them get on unemployment? Do I talk to them during this time or not talk to them during this time? I mean, it was just so much on the scale of, you know what, and the really good leaders and the really good practices, um, they were talking to their teams all the time. We were in WhatsApp or GroupMe communicating, Zoom meetings, just to update you, even if the update was, I don't know the answer yet. And I think those were the teams that really trusted their doctor, trusted their leadership, and were willing to come back and rebuild with them no matter what it took. They are also the ones who would participate in these Zoom meetings from home, kind of on their own time, like. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And we we made them fun too, but sometimes it was just about uh, that communication and connection. You know, and I had some other doctors and heard some other doctors that, hey, I didn't, I haven't talked to my team in a month. Oh my Since God. Yes. Same here. And I was like, how can mind. you do that? How can you not connect with them or see if they're okay? Or, hey, thinking about you guys. I could not believe it. I had a former client and she's out on the West Coast. And, and when this first started, I said, well, make sure you keep in touch with your team. And then like a month and a half later, she messaged me and said, hey, can I run some things by you? And I said, what about the team? And she said, oh, I haven't talked to them since this all started. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, team members that are not going back to that practice. Oh, my. And of course, the ones that needed a job and yep. really couldn't go. They stayed. Right. Oh, of course. They stayed because they needed they something. To. But yeah. they need it. But the ones that. We're really good people. They're, they're gone. They're gone. gone. Yeah, that was a, I thought that was a really good um, opportunity to show up as a leader. And I tried to coach some of my guys through that too. Like how much is too much or what's not enough and all that stuff. But you got to do something. And even if I just kept saying, look, when you don't know the answer, imagine on their side, they start making up their own stories about this. 
they're closing. We're all going to die. We'll never have a job again. I mean, who knows what some of these people were thinking. And I said, this is what happens in your practice as well. When you don't communicate with them, when something's happening and they're seeing, seeing it and you don't say anything, they start making up their own stories. Oh my God, Sally's quitting or, oh my God, you know, Angela got in trouble for this and nobody said anything or, you know, people make up their own stories. If you don't communicate it and show up as that leader, that's what runs amok. And that's what starts the chaos. And that's when people leave Mm -hmm. and the good ones will leave because you didn't show up as a leader and say anything. Right. And they deserve better, you know, honestly. If they're they're conscientious, they should be in a place that appreciates them. So I have a business idea for you. I want you to create an app that reminds doctors when they should talk to their people only because <laughs> yes. if they don't have you as a coach, then they're probably introverted or whatever. Or they're brand new. And they're like, here, here's a text. Have your morning meeting. Here's I know. Right. Here's your quote for your morning meeting. Here's your- <laughs> Say thank you. Say yeah, goodbye before you leave at the end of the day. And you, it's, it's so funny, but you're right. And what people think or what your team thinks or your, fa- you know, you're talking about, you know, coming home to a better practice. That's your work family. And when you leave at the end of the day and don't say goodbye to anybody, that's where the story stops. Nobody likes me. He, she doesn't appreciate me. Um, what did I do today to upset them? I mean, they, and it may have been nothing, but they start making up their own stories and there becomes the division or that broken communication. And it's like the little things, but you're right. Doctors, they, and the males and females both need reminding like say thank you or good job today or well, and it's find not the positive. Just, it's not just doctors too, no, I mean, yeah. managers too. So managers. I, I mean, doctors don't don't think I'm like going all in on you. I'm talking managers too. Managers. So we, you and I have worked with some really crappy managers, right? Absolutely. Ones that don't communicate or ones that over communicate or ones that communicate just crap. Horribly. Yeah. yeah. They just open their mouth and just all sorts of insults and stupidity roll out. Absolutely. Gosh, that was harsh. But you know what? I just had a flashback. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, but as far as bringing on new team members, though, so let's say you're you're Angela, superstar office manager like you were. And now you're bringing in you've hired the right person. The skills assessment went well and everything. What's that first 30 days look like for this new employee? I think we should always have a plan before that starts. Like, here's the job description. Here's your responsibilities. Here's our training checklist. Let's look at what we want to do the first week, the second week, the third week, the fourth week. So we can kind of check some things off and some things are going to go faster and some things might take a little time and you should always be getting um, feedback. So there's a lot of mini meetings in there too. Like let's review the end of the day. What went well? What didn't go well? What worked today for you? What didn't work for you? You're not talking about like sit down formal meetings. Are you talking about just like hallway meetings? Are you talking about just coming to my office meeting? I like it to be at the end of the day before you leave. Let's just touch base. What went well today? Here's the training schedule. What'd you do well today? Where'd you struggle today? How can I help support you tomorrow? So not a long conversation, but just, you know, that three to five minute check-in, you know, you've got to give the, I think those first 30 days needs lots of back and forth feedback before you turn them loose. Are we checking in with the doctor and the team members too? Absolutely. I think we should. What does that look like? Typically, if so if we've hired this new person and um, depending on their position, then there's going to be another person that's also going to be my eyes and ears for what's going well. And they're a part of the training 
template that we've made. Here's the things they're focusing on on week one. Here's week two. If things are going well through week one, then let's keep on moving. Let's go if we're checking those things off. But then I want to get feedback from the doctor. How was interactions today? How was that skill today? Or, you know, assistance, somebody else. What'd you see today? What'd you hear today? Admin, how was the phone conversations? How was check-in? How'd she show up? So that you get that feedback all around, that 360 feedback. So that you have, I can't be eyes and ears and no office manager can be everywhere at all times and hear that stuff. So that's when we lean into our team members and our other leaders to say, what's going well? I don't, I never start with, what did she do wrong today? Or what happened? (laughs) You know, which is where you want to go to, right? Like even if you're in that training position, let me tell you what she did. No, tell me something she did great today first. And then what do I have to fix? <laughs> yeah. And then tell me something that we can work on. And we have to set realistic uh, goals too. Like if they've never been on Dentrix and that's what we have, you know, remember and be patient. Like if that wasn't your first software either, you don't, I mean, let's have a plan to help them be successful. And I always, always, always tell team members and office managers, like if I'm getting my, uh, I'm hiring another person for the front. My job up there as the other front desk person or a business team member is what do I do? What can I do to help her be successful? And if I'm living like that, I can help them become successful there. I think sometimes we hold on to our knowledge like, oh, I'm not going to tell her that. Let's see if she figures it out. And assistants do it. I mean, everybody has done it in a practice at one time or another where we think if we hold on to it, that's job security. I look smarter, whatever but we can't have that in our culture. I want to give it all away. Right. No, that's right. Give it all away. And if they do well, then I do well. The whole team does well. You said something I really loved, which was 360 feedback. Is that something you've been calling it or is that your term or where did you come up with that? You know what? That's a great question. I don't remember where I came across it. I think one of them was probably in Forte training where they talk about that 360 feedback. And I've done a lot of stuff with John Maxwell and we've some in there we've talked about 360 feedback. Forte, oh my God, I got I got trained in that I think with you. Yeah, that was years ago. Oh my god, I don't even want to say. Like that was like kids ago, right? Yeah, yeah. Kids <laughs> ago. So with Forte though, I really liked the I really like the structure. It's just not my jam, but it's more like you it was your jam and Patty's and Christine, yeah. those girls. So can you explain a little bit about personality types and how you use them? Are you still using Forte in your practice? You know, sometimes I use Forte. And here's the thing. There are a hundred of them out there probably. I think they're fun, if nothing else. And you can take something from every piece of them, whether it's disc or bank or Forte or, I mean, 16 personality traits. You learn something about yourself and other team members when you have a discussion about it. So in the grand scheme of things, it helps you have better communication. And that's the only thing we want is better communication. So if I can help understand that I'm working with someone who um, likes all the facts, then I can communicate better with them. Um, That also helps with patients and in their interactions as well. If I know the patient needs all the information to say yes, then that's what I'm going to give them. If I'm dealing with somebody who likes big picture, I don't want to go down the weeds with them because then they're not going to. I'm going to lose them. So I think any of those things, any of those tools are great if you continue to leverage that information that you learn from it. And I think we can learn something from all of them. 
that helps me be a better communicator with somebody on my team. You just dipped into patient presentation too. Yeah, definitely. So with patient presentation, how are your offices doing that now? Are they keeping them in the room just because of COVID? Like yes. the, the time constraints. So are they keeping them in the room? Are they coming? Are they doing a phone consultation? Are they doing a separate? Like, what are they doing? It's so interesting. It's like, I always was a believer of keep them in the room. Let's just do as much as we can while we're in there. So that may mean having the assistant get really good at case presentation and doing it. If we're not there yet, then it might be going to a consult room to have that conversation. Uh, if we're not, they don't have that option, then where are we having at the front desk that can be private and given that patient space to feel safe to have, you know, a money conversation. That's, you don't want to have that in the hallway or where other people can hear. You could also do like Sonic and they sit in their car and you just come up with the presentation. <laughs> I'll meet you outside. <laughs> Swipe your card here for implants. Yeah, going, absolutely. Right? Yeah. I love that. The way it's going now. It's so different. Now, are any of your offices utilizing the telehealth to communicate? You know, yeah, I, I've had several using that. And I had some using it beforehand that were using it for a lot of cosmetic interest cases, that kind of stuff, just to get them almost that first look into the practice, but they're not ready to commit to coming in. Just a brief kind of thing. Have some orthodontists that were doing it with their options. Patients are sending some pictures. I mean, with we think about the technology that we have, like why wouldn't we kind of leverage that right now? Take a couple pictures, let them see you, trust you, and then you get them in the door. That's what it's all about. You know, pre-COVID, what I found was interesting, whenever I talked to a dentist who was doing it that way, the cosmetic. Yeah, yeah. Whenever somebody wanted to do a teledentistry consult, it was typically because they knew they were going to be dropping some big money. Yes. You're not going to call up and say, hey, about that silver filling. It was no. always about a, a makeover, veneers, crowns, implants, or ortho. Yes. So I think that's now transitioned, and people are finally figuring out that it's a, I think it's a great part of case presentation. I really I do, do too. I, I think if managers and treatment coordinators can nail that, that's another place that they can go to. Maybe that's another afterlife for assistants and hygienists who want to stay in dentistry, but are really good with the clinical. But are any of your offices doing that, utilizing the teledentistry part for the case presentation or consultation side of it? We have not, I haven't gotten anybody to that point yet. Okay. But it's in the works because we're creating uh, with a couple offices, some nice PowerPoints that are templates. And then we can throw their pictures in their treatment plan and then schedule that call with them and go over it like that. Oh gosh, that's great. Yeah. They should look at Canva. I yeah. Mean, because Canva actually has PowerPoint templates mm -hmm. in it and the free version, you know, might, might be enough. For yeah, them. absolutely. Doing the pictures, but at least it will look more polished. Polished. I mean, PowerPoint's great and all, but you know. Oh, I know. It's, yeah. But it's a great starting point for them to start having those conversations with patients and save that visit and save the operatory, save the sitting in the car. I mean, all those things and just help them move forward. Speaking of saving the operatory, how have your offices been handling <laughs> charging for PPE or not charging for PPE? Oh my gosh. It was such a big discussion. Do we? Don't we? How do we? Should we? Oh my gosh. You know, I had one that did a, she did a one-time charge across the board to everybody. Probably didn't go over that great. Some people paid it, some people didn't. You mean like mass billing to her? Yes, 
just oh as this is our one-time fee. Now, I did not recommend that, but that oh just kind of happened. You know, and I think people are, I mean, I, I get it. Dentists are looking for, my gosh, we just lost two months or three months of production and this stuff does cost more and I get it. Yeah, some people charged out the PPE fee. Patients paid it happily and others just were like, I'm not doing anything. I'll raise my fees later and just figure that out. I mean, that was the least for most of my guys. I tried to make it just like, look, that's the least of your things. Let's get patients in here, show them that we, you know, we're still the right place to be. Trust us. And let's do some dentistry. Let's do some dentistry. The ones who wanted to charge it, was it more the PPO office? Yes, yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, I'm still trying to get a beat on that because there are definitely offices that are out of network that still felt like they needed to charge, but it was definitely the PPO office. Yeah, mostly. Driving that. Absolutely, they did. I was surprised that the ADA came out actually and said, here's the code to use. I was too. For it. And, you know, I'm not going to, I don't want to say anything to get on the ADA's bad side because I, I, they know I work with them and I like them. Right. But that code kind of wasn't the right. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of wasn't. So I I think they, you know, I think they're probably going to have another code or they're going to come up with something. Something. 1999 is a preventative, you know, kind of thing. So it just doesn't, I don't know. It just didn't feel right to me, but I didn't dig Delta coming back and saying that was the absolute wrong code. Oh yeah. That wasn't very nice either. That's rude. Yeah. It's like, I know we're guys, we're just trying to take care of our patients and the price gouging for some of this stuff is, should be criminal. It's just, it's not even fair. I read somewhere somebody was paying like $15 a gallon and then you know $10 a gallon then $15 a gallon, like the, the, and couldn't even get. Yeah. They're all on back order anyways. I mean, some of your offices though, did they get the extra money from Delta? Cause I thought that was actually kind of cool. They didn't have to, but they did, you know, yes. $800 or a thousand or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, they did. Now, as far as the, uh, so the suppliers, let me ask you if you had any issues with this. So I'll just give you an example. One person I was talking to, she thought she had a really good relationship with a supplier. And it turned out when push came to shove, that supplier was like, well, you don't order enough from us. So I've got to go with these people. Like they're not a priority because they didn't you know, she's like, I'm a small office. I don't order, you know, the same as like Aspen Dental. So give me a break. And so it really like now she's looking for another company. So I think the vendors too, were like stuck in the middle on this as well. Oh, that's awful for everybody. Yeah. Did you hear, did you have any offices that had any problems with? I did not. Vendors? Not that they know, not that I know about yet anyways, but. Are um, they still looking for PPE or is it pretty easy to find at this point? From what I've heard, everybody's got stocked up because they had been ordering it when they were closed, <laughs> trying to get whatever they could. Um, so I don't think anything slowed down. A couple offices had some slowdown on um, the gowns was the biggest thing, I think. And then I think everybody else just got creative um, with, uh, you know, I'll tell you one office, this is a great idea if anybody wanted to do it. They bought a bunch of black long sleeve t-shirts from like Amazon and also different sizes and they cut the back open so then you could just slide your arms in and they reached around and tied the back. And that became really? their gown for coverage. Really? They were doing stuff. And then they would just take it off. And at the end of the day, they just washed all those different, like $5 t-shirts or something that they did. Yeah. Does it have to be water resistant or is it just a, just a barrier resistant? A barrier resistant, you know, for they, when they would put that on in between patients to, clean and sterilize and do stuff and i mean the, our beauty salons have had those for years why don't they just get on the i know get right on them, get on so. the track. 
have you been back to the salon since all this? I did get to go once. It's exciting, right? It, it was, was exciting. <laughs> it was like a field trip. Like this is an adult field trip. And I went in, I was like, how are you? And, and my nail girl, we were like, we have to hug. And I was, we were like, we can't hug. And we we're like, we have to hug, you know? So it was just, it was nice. Out. Yeah. And think about all the patients. I don't know about you, but I mean, we're in the South. A lot of my patients, my, a lot of my clients are in the South, not all of them. But that's a hugging environment, man. <laughs> so not to be able to hug is like, wow, put on the brake. It's weird. It's it weird. weird. So, okay. So you, your clients are all over the country. Correct. And you've had one for a long time, Dr. Kiefer? Yeah. Dr. Yeah. Kiefer has been with me for about 11 years. Dr. Muse down in um, Louisiana has been with me, gosh, probably nine years. You do, you do tend to keep them long-term because they do really... They appreciate you. If you, if I don't know Dr. Muse, but if you, next time you talk to Dr. Kiefer, tell him I said, hi. I will. Yeah. He, I remember him. he will. He will. He will. He was a fun guy. So with your book, tell me about your book. Tell me oh, all about this book. This was such a fun book to write. Once I actually sat down and said, I'm going to do this, which, you know, that's the hardest part is um, figuring out that piece of it. But one thing that I've always been passionate about was that work family. We spend a lot of time together. And sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's stressful. But the bottom line is we got to show up tomorrow morning at 730 and see each other again. It's not like you can avoid these people or you shouldn't right. in your work family. That doesn't serve patients very well if we're not on the same page. And look, upsets are going to happen just like they do in a family. But you still love your kid when they mess up or, you know, you, you still love that cousin that drives you crazy. So it's the same thing at work. It's like, we have to figure out how to, how to build this and make it work. So I spent some time writing about this is the kind of things you do to create that work family that you want. And if you don't have it, why don't you? you get, you're a choice. You get to pick who you want to work with every day. And I think part of it is about that leadership knowing what you want, being willing to be uncomfortable, because sometimes you're going to have to have hard conversations, you're going to have to make changes that ultimately relate to your, your family. And I want to be with people I want to be with every day. And I think that's key. Pretty timely with the COVID stuff too. I mean, to really make some, some good decisions. The hard conversation you just talked about, having that, that hard conversation. So if I'm a new dentist and I have to have a disciplinary conversation with my manager for the very first time. Yeah, that's how, fun. What, am I, <laughs> <laughs> what should I be thinking about before that whole conversation? That's a good question. So I like doctors to just kind of think about why is this important? What's the outcome I'm looking for? You know, what do I need to have happen differently than what I'm getting? So know what you, where you want to end up before you start. And then I always like to say, you know, so, but what is working well? So these are the things that are working well. So I know this person is capable. And then when you, you have that conversation, it's, I think honesty is key. And just to say, look, I need your help with this. Because here's the expectation, and you're not meeting it. So, is there something in your way? You know, how can I help you with that? Or, you know, talk to me about what's going on. So, going in there, knowing that you're going to have a conversation, not, you know, blasting them with the water gun, like these are all the crappy things you've done this week. You know, know where you want to end up 
and be ready to hear it. I think listening is, is key with that. And leaders, a lot of times we struggle with that because I want to tell you what the answer is, as opposed to help you discover what that answer is and how to get there. And don't be afraid of it. Don't put them off. That, I think doctors do that all the time. Office managers do it. Team members do it. We do it at home. We just like, if I don't talk about it, maybe it's going to get better. <laughs> It'll get better. And then three years later, we're having this conversation. Gosh, I wish we would have fired Sally when she did whatever. And I'm like, and you're, oh, you're still holding on to that, I see. So if you're going to keep them, let it go or have the conversation early, not late. Ooh, so you said early and late, but I know what you mean, like early in the relationship, late yeah. in the relationship. But let's yeah. talk logistics. Like what's, do they do at the beginning of the day? Do they do it on a Friday? Do they do it on a Monday? Right yeah. Lunch? Like what, <laughs> what's the best that's the, that's the timing, right? Where's yeah. the best time to, to lay this bomb down? And I think you have to know your, your team members. And one of the things that, you know, we, I work hard with, with teams is having some agreements around stuff. So one of those agreements is if there is an upset, the goal is to handle it before the end of the day. So depending how that conversation, how long you think that conversation is going to take, it might be an end of day conversation. It could be a lunchtime conversation. Like, hey, if it's going to be, let's just make a new plan kind of thing. Like maybe, hey, can we go to lunch real quick? I want to kind of go over a couple of things with you. Here's reviewing my expectations. Where are you falling short? Let's talk about it. A lot of times it's an end of day conversation. You don't want to start your morning off like that. <laughs> I mean, unless the building's on fire and we've got to have this conversation in the parking lot before we go in. Right. Otherwise... Right when's the best time, but having usually that 24 hour cycle. And if you don't have it after that, was it, how important was it? So agreements as a team is, Hey, we agree to come to each other within that time frame If we have an upset or a, uh, a break in the system or responsibilities or whatever that is. So that's an actual agreement that you have your teams come to. Yeah. Okay. So can you just explain that again? Like how you would tell the team, like, here's the, here's the boundaries. Gotcha. So one of the meetings that we do as a team is coming together. A lot of times we talk about the culture or our vision and mission. So it's kind of around that. And then we say, look, if we're going to all be here every day from eight to five, and let's just have some agreements with each other. So we don't have um, misunderstandings or unrealistic expectations. So can we all agree? So sometimes agreements might be, can we all agree that the huddle starts at 745 and we're all to be here prepared, not eating breakfast, not putting on our makeup. Like we're ready to go at 745. Can we all agree to that? So that becomes an agreement. Can we all agree that we're going to, if there's an upset, we're going to come only to the person that can solve it. So we get rid of that gossip stuff or we're going to, if there's an upset, we agree to address it within 24 hours. And that might mean, you know, when do we go to the person or do we go to the office manager? Or do we go to the doctor? So having those agreements on the front end, sometimes agreement and agreements can change too over time, depending on your team. But sometimes agreements are like, we all agree to do our chart notes before we leave at the end of the day. I mean, sometimes that needs to be the agreement Yeah, yeah so that you get have- on the same page. Yeah, you'll have one that always puts it off and yeah, know, and then that it's impacts not fair. Ex- absolutely. So, and you don't try to make a list of, you know, 25 of these things. I kind of think about it like the 10 commandments. What's your top 10 agreements we need to have to work in this building together and be a family? What's that look like? Dr. Kuiper comes out of his office 
with the Ten Commandments of Kuiper. Just like, oh, here you go. <laughs> Here's what we do. I can see it now. Yeah, but right. It, it's it's right. Th- you're right, though, because we have foundational expectations for how we handle money. Yes. How we file insurance. So why not how we work with each other? I like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And I love it when the team can be open and we can have that conversation. The doctor and I, an office manager, may already have an idea of four or five things where we want them to to be in agreement. But when we have that meeting, we want to help the team discover what they want those agreements to be. So they have a role in it. Mm -hmm. And if they helped create it, well, they're a heck of a lot more likely to follow it too when they had a role in that. So sometimes we get what we're looking for. And if not, then I just start asking questions like, is anybody ever late to huddle? Do you guys, are y'all doing your makeup and breakfast during the huddle? Like talk about that. Do we need to have an agreement around that, around that? And then that's when that'll come up like, oh yeah, good idea. Except for the person that's eating breakfast. And they're like, well, yeah, I do that all the time. Okay. Well, let's just have an agreement. You're not going to do that anymore. Okay. So, you know, helping them discover that. How do you handle the morning huddles that are um, staggered? Not everybody comes into work at the same time. Yeah, those are fun. So typically, <laughs> I know that's always the biggest discussion. Like, how are we going to get this? Is the huddle really Y'all important? Should've... Y'all should have seen her face. <laughs> she said, right, yeah, this is fun. All right. So sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that's because we, I've been having this discussion with the team last week, like 14 times. I oh, like really? It. Yeah. <laughs> like it can happen. It, it's being done in other places. Trust me. No, but yeah. So you have your, you know, if you've got one team that starts at seven to three, the next team's nine to six or something, the first team in has the huddle. And they do their huddle for for that day. And then for the second team that comes in, I have a delegate from the morning huddle, the first huddle, that is in the second huddle to share any information that needs to be shared that way. And if we pick up anything from the second huddle, then that person is then responsible for sending that out through, you know, communication, team communication, however they have it in in their practice with Messenger or, or something for their updates. Hey, be aware of X, Y, Z. Are you finding any offices that are doing like a live stream, like a, like a zoom or something, FaceTime or whatever? Yeah. I have some offices that do that where the um, majority of the team starts at that early hour and then maybe like a hygienist or something starts at nine and, but ends at the same time. They just a later start and they're FaceTiming in for the huddle, just FaceTime in for the huddle. Um, I've also had huddles that are recorded and then if it's your responsibility when you come in for that second shift or you're all, you're the hygienist that starts at nine or you're the sterilization tech that comes for from 10 to two, you listen, here's the huddle. You listen to the huddle. So it's interesting. Cause I, we're in the, we're in the dental field. So we know how their minds work. So if you <laughs> suggest something like this, they're going to go, Oh, I don't, I don't know. I always found that interesting because when I was in other industries or Mm -hmm. worked with other industries, if the manager said, here's our new rollout, that was the new rollout. Yeah. But in dentistry, we seem to have team members are like, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And and you're like, but but I'm the manager, right? (laughs) So, so how do you, how do you combat that? Somebody saying, I'm just not, I'm going to keep eating at the, at the meeting. Just, if you don't mind, this is like the best donut ever. So. I'm just going to keep eating. Like, don't, don't worry about me. I'll just, I'll clean up. I can up. pay attention. Yeah. I can right. pay attention. Right. That is so funny because 
as you know, that happens. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it is it is crazy how we make a rule and it's just like, yeah, I'm not really going to do that. I never understood that about our industry. I you go know, to a either. hospital, you go to a hospital and they say, that's the rule. Yeah. And there's no like pushback. There's no like, well, I, you know, it just doesn't. No. <laughs> I know. We're such suckers. Well, and I think that's a, I don't know and how I even know it now, but I think it's a generational dentists were kind of pushovers and like they didn't know how to address or managers. We don't know how to address the pushback. We're just kind of like shocked by it and go like, well, what are, what are we going to do? Like, <laughs> am I going to say something? Or are you going to say something? Like, what do we do? What happens? Because she's the, you know, she's the hygienist and we can't piss her off. She'll, she'll leave. Or that's the best wow. assistant. That's the only assistant that knows how to use whatever. Right, right. So you've got to get rid of that mentality and just go, no, if this is going to be our agreement and our guidelines, then I'm going to need you to honor that. I mean, there's just no room for negotiation on that. And that means doctor and office manager aligning and having a conversation with that person about that doesn't really line up with our culture in the practice. So you're going to need to follow or this isn't going to be the right place for you. And I, and I really hope that it is, but I don't want to lose you over, you know, eating breakfast at huddle, but it's just, it's not going to be acceptable. She's like, but it's a Krispy Kreme. It's so good. I know. <laughs> and you can eat it before you get to work. That's the other thing. Would you ever go to any job and do your makeup when you got there? No. No. I mean, you just would, but. I don't get it. But you know. Here's the thing is that back in the day, I mean, let's be real honest about this. Back in the day when you worked in a dental office, it Mm -hmm. typically wasn't a straight out of college job. It was pretty much high school, maybe working through college job, and then they sucked you in, right? Right, right. So we really didn't have, I know when I started, we're about the same age. We, there wasn't a lot of professionalism. There was kind of like, let's just build this as we go. I mean, my boss was like that too. We, we sort of learned management together. Yeah. But now we've got this, these corporates coming in, they've got training modules, they've got curriculums, they've got people with degrees. And I don't think you need a degree to be a great manager. I think it helps to know the information, but you don't necessarily need the degree, right? Correct. But I think you have to realize if you don't act like a professional, they're not going to treat you like a professional. You're not going to earn like a professional. No. Are you seeing that change with your clients where they're, they're kind of demanding more business out of their managers? Or are the doctors taking that on? Well, I think both. The doctors are wanting to know more about their business than I think they ever have, in my experience. And I think office managers, look, you got the title. It doesn't mean anything if you can't get anybody to follow you. That's true. it's like, good for you. That's true. I mean, and we see it all the time. You have leaders in your practice. And the real leaders, a lot of times, don't even have a title. And they're following somebody. Right. Hopefully, they're following the right person, but that's not always the case. So I think for office managers, one of the things, and here's the reality too for a lot of them, they were a dental assistant or the front business team, and Mm -hmm. now they've elevated to this status. So now I can't be your friend kind of thing, and now I'm your boss. So you're navigating that piece of it, but you better walk the walk and talk the talk. If you cannot set the example... Why would anybody else do it? If you're on your cell phone and you say there's a no cell phone rule, why would I do it? Why would I follow it? 
So I talked to one dental assistant, you know, my friend, Kevin Henry. Yes, yes, yes. So sometimes we, uh, we co lecture and he, his audience is assistants. And I remember talking to one, like he was speaking and we were in the back of the room just chit chatting. And she said, yeah, I got a promotion. She used air quotes. She said, I got a promotion to office manager. I was like, oh, congratulations. She's like, no, you're crazy. She like, she proceeded to tell me how she enjoyed the back. Mm-hmm. She likes clinical. She, she once she had to deal with patients on a financial level, she realized this was not her jam. And so she went back and she told the doctor, look, I'm going to be like the best dental assistant ever. I'm going to lead your whole department. So she basically told this doctor that I'm going to be your assistant manager, like assistant manager. Yeah. And she created that job and the, the office was rocking. I mean, she had three, she brought three assistants to the course that she was training. So she had her own little department. But I think it's pretty awesome that she recognized right away, this is not what I want to do. Strength. Yeah, I don't want to do it. And you probably see that, right? Some assistants, yeah. get, if they feel like it's a promotion, but really if they're an assistant, there's a special type of person that's an assistant versus a manager, right? Absolutely. Like you, with your personality training, Absolutely. you've seen that. Absolutely. And I think we need to work towards our strengths. And I think there's room, the other piece of that is there's room for more than one leader on the team. And sometimes I think we get pigeonholed by office manager. Yes. Like there can't be another leader or voice that can be heard. And that's not fair. Right. I think a lot of people have good ideas. And I think that really good teams build up other leaders. Is that important when you go in and start doing the consulting that you identify the structure? Or do you find that? The structure is more hindering them. Like, how does that look with when you walk into an established office and you're like, okay, who does what? And they're like, oh, we do everything. Right. What yeah. does that look like? You know, sometimes it's a little bit when you have everybody does everything, then nobody does anything. There's nobody accountable for stuff. And that's that's where the um, discrepancy that, that comes in. I'm a firm believer of cross training. I really am not an advocate of only Sally does that. Because what if Sally, God forbid, gets hit by a bus. Like who knows where this stuff is? So it doesn't mean I have to be an expert at it. I don't have to be as good as Sally at it right away, but other people need to know how to do things. And I think even in our cross training, whether it's front, back, whatever, we still have something that ultimately I'm accountable for. So I'm accountable for the AR and the insurance and you're accountable for recall and the doctor's schedule or whatever it is. Now I'll help do all those things, but the Mm -hmm. bottom line is, that's my baby. And I'm accountable for those reports and those numbers on that. I think that's where that, that really helps in defining roles. Well, and the analogy really goes even higher as far as the dentist with the team. I mean, he's, everybody's pitching in and it's doing things, but ultimately he or she is mm-hmm. where the accountability stops. And I, I think that's really hard for a newer dentist who isn't even feeling that comfortable in dentistry now has to be like a manager. That's tough. It That's is tough. tough. I have a, I do have one young doctor. She just became a partner and she's eight months out of school and wow. she is learning that these girls are, you know, they're texting just her and not the, the other doctor. And there's just all these breakdowns. And, and we just started working together. I've known the other dentist for years and years and years. And she's just like, why are they doing this? You're letting them right now. And, and I, I said, we've got to just make a, a, a line in the sand that says you are the doctor. And even though you're young and you're not have been doing it as long as that the one assistant has and that kind of stuff, like you still got to set that expectation and know that role. 
they'll respect you. So it's okay to text, but just, it's gotta be a group text. Like you can't. Absolutely. Like don't, it's almost like, let me go ask dad. Yeah. Because mom said no. <laughs> so, or I know dad's going to say no. So I'm just going to go straight over here to mom oh, that's where funny. she doesn't know the answer. Cause right. I, Cause I've been watching it for a few weeks now and I'm like, well, that's exactly what they're doing to you. And they're putting you in that position and you're making that decision and you're not talking to your partner and it's like, oh, well, they're running amok over there. So they're going right. to keep coming to you because they're going to get what they want. Right. That's how Noah always ends up with $20 more <laughs> with his allowance between his two grandparents. Right? Oh, yeah. Smart. It's so funny. Yeah. So, okay. So let's let's say there's going to be no more shutdowns. So we're going to there. No yeah. more shutdowns. Everything is kind of just where we're covering. At the end of the year, and then we'll just round this out because, I, again, you and I just, we I talk know. and we talk could, and talk. I know. Right? We could go on. At the end of the year, what do you meet with your teams about? Like, what what do you start looking at at the end of the year to prepare for 2021? Is there a protocol that you have, or is there one thing in mind that you always kind of walk them through? So this year will be a lot of fun because we have to take a big chunk out to say, other than those months with COVID, what were the <laughs> things that worked? Where did we have success? It's likely that we're going to not going to meet the goal that we had set <laughs> at the end of 2019 or 2020. But still just taking a look at that and go, what are the things that went well? What are our, what's our service mix look like? What's our team look like? Where did we develop skills? And then let's look at 2021. What do you want to do? I always start with, you know, what's your dream? You've worked four days now. I mean, it's three days what you want to do. What about hygiene hours? And just really start delving into, here's the numbers that we hit this previous year. What's realistic? How much could we grow in the next year? What would I want to look at? What team development needs to happen? What celebrations need to happen? What do we need to change to make better? What do we need to make sure that continues to work at the same pace it has been working? Because that's success leaves clues. So why change it if we're getting the success we want? Is that for the doctor or the team? Or does the team get a separate communication from you? Oh, good. Yeah. So doctor first. And then if it's a big team by department and then entire team, just to go, Hey guys, what are you guys celebrating? Because sometimes, you know, we forget the little pieces too. Like maybe a, a hygienist got certified with anesthetic, maybe mm. an assistant got her x-ray certification in that time frame. So it's so easy to just go, well, that was crap. And we forget like the little celebrations, <laughs> you know, like don't forget that, you know, Cindy got her x-ray certification this year or she got, you know, we did that um, medical billing course, and this is how that's working. So celebrating those and then looking at that and going, okay, what can we leverage to do more of so we have greater success in that following year? And then I always like asking each team member, doctor included, what do you want to learn more about in 2021? What do you want to do better? What do you want to bring to the practice? So that they have some personal goals that relate back to the practice as well. That's pretty exciting too, because now that we're getting used to learning a lot online. I know a lot of, I mean, I'm going online for most of my stuff now. Me too. A lot of clinical people yeah. too are, are starting to do more online classes. So it's now easier than ever to at least dip your toe in the water if you want to do implants or if you yeah. want to do sleep medicine. Take a wet, couple webinars on it and see if it floats your boat. Yeah. Instead of spending 20000 to go to an academy and then you get there and you're like, oh God. <laughs> I don't want to do this every day. Yeah. Yeah. Darn, so now yeah. I have to. Right. Of course. 
Well, they have my deposit, so now you know I might as well. Keep Jeez, forward. I might as well go. Yeah, keep going. But yeah, so that's just you know look at and, and review, and sometimes don't forget to celebrate what you did well. What did we learn in this time frame? And then of course, dream. What do we want to do in twenty twenty one? Love that. Don't forget to dream. I love that. Before COVID, was there one thing that was like lighting up one of your practices, like bringing in implants, or was there one thing that was really like making a huge difference for any of your practices? Let's see. Pre-COVID. <laughs> no, I know. Can I remember? It seems like such a blur. Is this still 2020? <laughs> I feel like I've lived a lifetime in those three months. You know, it's interesting because so many people, I mean, we, I was off to such a great start with so many clients and they were implementing some things that we had learned in the previous year. And, you know, a lot of it was some implants or some technology and starting some ortho cases. And, you know, no matter what it was, people were excited. Like, we're going to do this. Oh my gosh, January was great. Oh my gosh, February was great. March is scheduled at this. This is awesome. And then it's like this balloon got popped and you could feel the energy come out of these guys and girls that were like, well, now what? I guess I'm not going to outproduce myself from last year. I guess I'm not going to start ortho cases this year. And what's, you know, what's going to happen now? So this month, most of June, you know, May was when they opened back up and some people started working. It was just kind of like the floodgates opened and let's just work. A lot of my teams got burnt out very quickly. They're tired. And I had to remind doctors, look, you're not going to make up those three months between now and December. I mean, you're going to kill yourself, these, these team members. It's just, we just have to go, okay, what, are we, what can we do right now? What can I get excited about amid all this PPE and going out to the car and all this stuff? What can I get excited about to take care of my patient? And let's focus on that and just slow down for a minute. Well, you're adjusting for COVID. I mean, that's really, you have to. You have to. These strategies, you have to adjust for it. Yeah. Because it's such an anomaly. I mean, and and I was really appreciated this one doctor's point of view. I forget where I read it. It was in some Facebook group. And he's like, look, my office has actually burned down to the ground, like in the years before. Mm-hmm. This is just like that. Yeah. He said, I survived that. You came back, you rebuild, you know. And I just thought, wow, some people are just sitting around, like, really feeling sorry for themselves, like I was. I mean, yeah. I was. And this doctor's like, oh, God, we got to do this again. And he's like just throwing on his, you know, jacket and going back into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's resolve right there. Good for him. Absolutely. But I think a lot of us had to do some some mourning. To, yeah. To I mean, we needed that time just to figure, just to wrap our heads around it. And then, you know, getting with doctors afterwards when it was like, okay, we're still sitting home and we're three weeks in. Like, yeah. okay, what's happening? To just go, okay, let's just start planning for the comeback. What are we going to do? We're not going to be closed forever. What do we want to work on that we've never had time to before? And let's do that. And, you know, some people did it. Some people didn't. That's okay. But now that we're back open, that's going to be the same thing. How resilient are you? What do you want? Some people had fun working on, like, their kids in their house. And I think that. That was fine, too. Yeah. For a whole nation to realize how much family meant to them, mm-hmm. well, that's pretty amazing. It was that's pretty amazing. amazing. Oh, you know what? Now, because of course we're going to keep going. I have one more question for yeah. you. So, with schools starting back up in the fall, are there any concerns with your staff about people who, like, they have kids, right? Yes. Are, is yeah. there any concern for that? Are you guys talking about that? 
Yeah, that was one of the things that we had already been discovering, too, because some of the daycares were not open as even an option for some of these parents to come back that wanted to come back to work and trying to figure out that and whether it was job share or babysit share. I mean, it's just been let's just keep the lines of communication open on what's what's happening. Let's go forward like kids are going to go back to school after school will be open and you can work. Until we know that doesn't happen. And I know that some offices even were, you know, they had some young kids and let's see what she do. Like one girl stayed home in the morning and watched her child plus her teammate's child. And then they switched in the afternoon. So they both got to come to work and do some stuff, but you just, it's just started getting creative, but you knew both people were healthy. So then you've got all that too. Like, do I want my kids someplace that I don't know? I mean, I get it and it's hard and hopefully they're going to get this stuff figured out. So, I mean, I just don't know how working parents with no alternatives are going to be able to go back to work if there's not something open. I'm wondering if that's going to be the next kind of employment issue that, that we run into. And it's, it's not because anybody sucks here. It's just, it's no, it's the way the school system is. Mm -hmm. I know in Fairfax County, you have two options, which is half schedule, 50% schedule online, right. completely online. And then Friday afternoons are always teacher work day. So nobody's teaching anything on Friday afternoon. So, you know, Fridays now people are going to want all their Fridays off because who else is going to watch, watch my kids? It'll be an interesting scenario, but I think we have opportunities to get creative. I know some offices have space to have uh, a couple kids there and hire a babysitter if they wanted to. Yeah. Spray everybody down. Yeah. You spray everybody down and there's hand sanitizer in there and there's a college kid who's on online classes and she's babysitting. I'm telling you, I am so happy that Noah is older college age. Yes. Could you have done this when your kids were? No way. (laughs) I would have been, my kids probably would have ran away to the neighbor's house and said, can you homeschool me instead? (laughs) And you have good kids too. So. How funny, how funny. All right, so how can people find you? How can people find your book? All right, my book is on Amazon. Again, it's Coming Home to a Better Practice. And my website is adaptive-dental-solutions.com. And then I'm always available by phone or text. And I'll just give my phone number and leave me a message. It's 813-690-7531. Say it again. 813 813- Six nine zero seven five three one. All right. So you probably are going to get some texts because you know what? Doctors nowadays don't like to call me. They want to text. I know me. they want to text. I like it. I do too. It's nice. I can do it's it in, in the hammock, right? Yeah, like- exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. It's First of all, it's great to catch up with you. Yes. It's great to see your face because I haven't seen you in so long. We were going to get together. I at know. Adolf, I'm so and, sad. Oh, now that Adam's canceled. I know. Oh, That's so heartbreaking so, too. Yeah. But next year in Boca again. So we'll, yes, we'll, we'll be just there. roll it over. But yeah, it's so good to see you. Me and too. I hope that you get a lot of calls from this this meeting because I think working with you, a lot of your clients are so lucky to have you. I got to say, you guys, you. Angela's like got this personality you want to be around and she resonates with the team. I've seen it myself. So give her a call, have a call with her, see if she fits and she will. She'll fit. Oh, thank you. Get the book though. My goodness. I mean, get the, do you have it on audiobook? 
It is available on audio. Ooh, look at that fancy. I don't even think mine's available by audio. Look at you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. I may, I may have to download it that way too, so I can have you right into my ears. ears in your ears. There you go. <laughs> All right. So uh, thank you again. And I appreciate you being on. Say hi to your family for me. I will. Thanks. You do the same. Thanks, I Teresa. Will. And for everybody out there, I so appreciate you taking the time to listen. And we'll see you on the next episode. We're all super busy, so thank you for making time for me today. The show notes will have any links that we referenced in this episode. You can also find links for my book and for my live events and webinar schedule. I speak often around the country on management and insurance issues. Come hang out with me in one of my classes. I promise you'll laugh and learn.